This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit www.coastalcommunity.tv. Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Listen, I, I let it be known to the first service that while you guys might be smaller in size, you guys definitely love Jesus a lot more. So uh, they're extremely jealous of you guys. They're like, how are you going to sell us out and tell us the second service is your favorite? And I was like, because it just is. So I, I just want to give props to you guys for coming out to the second service, man. I, I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, and, and how many of you guys know that, that, that God can do anything here today? Any of you guys know that God can do anything? I mean, a couple of y'all. Hey, I, in fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus. Jesus is here. Now, that means all of you guys. I know some of you guys just like kind of looked around like, oh, there's nobody sitting next to me. Find somebody around you and say, Jesus is near. And anything can happen. Okay, now turn to the person that you don't like or you didn't want to talk to. And I want you to say with some conviction this time, not like, hey, man, maybe Jesus is going to show up today. Now, I don't want you to say that. I want you to say, Jesus is here. Get some preacher voice. Jesus is here. And anything can happen. And uh, give me some, some ham and B3 and we'll have church right now. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> Anyways, hey, my name is TJ and I'm one of the pastors here and I'm so glad that you're with us because Jesus is here and I believe that anything can happen in your life. And we've been in this series called God Is over the last three weeks. This is actually our fourth week. It's our final week of it. And uh, we've just really been diving in and talking about the attributes of God. We've been talking about the character and the nature of God because this is what I, I've realized about a lot of us. Maybe, maybe not all of us have been a Christ follower for a long time or we're, we're seeking and searching out the faith and we're trying to discover who God is. And we can know a lot of information about somebody or we can know a lot of information about something but truly not understand the character and the nature of it just based on information. How we understand and know it is by building a relationship and by understanding. And so I wanted to kind of help you build some relationship with God and show you some of his history, show you some of his attributes, show you some of his character. So that way you can understand and know who God is. And that is the point of this whole series is we want you to really know who God is. And in the first week we dived in and we talked about the fact that, man, God is faithful. I mean, that is the very nature of God. He always comes through. It doesn't matter what your circumstances is. It doesn't matter what your situation is, that God is faithful in your life. And so some of you guys are going through some difficulties right now. You're going through some tough times and God wants you to know that no matter where you're at and no matter how lonely you might find yourself, he is right there and he is faithful. The second week we talked about the fact that, that God is supreme and that in our lives there is this, this throne that is the ruler of our life. And, and a lot of times we put different things in it. It might be our career. It might be our kids. It might be finances. It might be that boyfriend. It might be that spouse. But the way that God designed us is so that he would sit enthroned in that place in our lives. He would be in the number one spot. He wants to be number one in our lives. Last week we talked about this idea that, that, that God um, is love. And so many of us understand that, that God uh, loves us or that we've heard people say that God loves you. We, we understand that God has the ability to do the action of love, but a lot of us don't deem God just as a God of action, but God truly is love. God, that is his nature. It's not just something that he does. It's exactly who he is. And so we don't just say, hey man, God wants to love on you. No, God is love. And because he is love, everything that he does in life revolves around his love being poured out for us. And he wants us to understand how much 
much he loves us. And this week, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into Joshua chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles and you wanna open up, we're gonna be hanging out there. And this week's gonna be a little bit different because I'm kinda gonna go old school. And what I mean by that is, is I'm just gonna kinda open my Bible and I'm gonna yell a little bit. And I'm gonna talk a little bit. I'm gonna yell a little bit more. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more. And then I'm gonna yell some more. And it's gonna be a lot of fun for me. You might enjoy it. It's gonna be old school kind of Pentecostal preaching. Is, is that okay? I don't really do that very often. And so, uh, so yeah, if you wanna shout me down, that, that's just gonna get me all even more fired up. And this will be like the best service ever, I promise. I'll even whip out a hanky or something. I don't know. It'll be awesome though. So uh, yeah, that, see, oh man, you guys, you guys are speaking my love language right now. Speaking it completely. So uh, I want you guys, uh, before we dive into Joshua chapter 10, I want you guys to say something. I want you to say, God is able. Now say it with some conviction. Say, God is able. Say it like you mean it. That, yeah, see, I'm that getting it down. So God is able. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 10. If you want to open up your Bibles, there, uh, there's some of the verses are going to be on the screen. Some of them are not because I'm just adding stuff into this as I go along. So you're just going to have to bear with me. But Joshua chapter 10, we're going to start in, uh, in verse 22. And so if you have your Bibles, you can look in your Bible. If you don't, you can pick up the verses when it gets to it on the screen. Um, or you can open up version on your on your phone and you can check it out there. But it says in Joshua chapter 10, verse 22, and Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so. And they brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmoth, the king of Lashish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called out to the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, Come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on the necks. And then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus says the Lord will do to all of your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees until they were hanging on the trees until evening. And so was it at the time was going down of the sun that Joshua commanded and they took all of them down from the trees and cast them into the cave where they had been hidden. And the large stones against the cave's mouth, which remained until this day, were, were Will, which remained until this very day. Now, what's happening in this story, just to give you a little context, and then we're gonna kind of break it down and talk about it, um, is, is what's happening is, is there was a promise given to the children of Israel hundreds of years before to Abraham. And, and God had come to Abraham and said, listen, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. And not only am I gonna make you the father of many nations, but there is a land that I'm gonna promise to you. And it's gonna be an amazing land. It's gonna be a land flowing with milk and honey. In essence, what he's saying, he's saying, listen, someday you're gonna get to this place and it's gonna be like beachfront property with mansions. There's gonna be Bentley and there's gonna be Jags and there's gonna be like uh, off Saks Fifth Avenue as your wardrobe. It's gonna be freaking pimp. And so he's saying like, this is an unbelievable land. I mean, everybody is going to be rolling in flow. And so he's like, man, there's this incredible land. And so the children of Israel have just come out of 400 years of slavery and 40 years hanging out in the desert. There were some bad years. And God is like, it's time for you to go take the land that I have for you. And so if you're going to take this land, unfortunately, there's people that are already in there. There's some things that are already there that are hindering you from getting the blessing that I've promised you. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go and overtake those people groups that are in those lands 
Canaanites and subdue them and kill them so that you can possess the land, so you can have the promise. And so the children of Israel are going in and man, they're just destroying nations. And at this point, five of those nations, the leaders of those nations, they take off together and they go and hide in a cave. And so that's where we picked up the story. They're hiding in this cave and, and they're destroying all these people. And, and finally, they're, they're ready to possess the land, but the blessings of God can't come on them yet because these five kings are still alive. And so Joshua's like, man, we gotta go get these five kings. And they knew that they were hiding. And there are things in your life and my life that are hiding that we have got to go and look for. And Joshua says, man, go and get those kings. And they went in and they grabbed them and it says they subdued them. They wrapped them up, they brought them forward and they put them on the ground. They put their foot upon their necks saying, man, we're gonna, we're gonna crush their necks. We're to crush these things that have been hidden in our lives. And they, they hung them on the cross and they, they killed them. And, and then they put them back in the cave and said, you know what? These things are never gonna come back out and haunt us again. And there's some significance to these five things because I think that there are some things in your life and in my life that, that a lot of times are in our lives that are hiding in caves, that, that are causing us to not be, like Joshua said, strong and courageous. He said, do not be dismayed. What that word actually means, dismayed, it's not a word we use very often. It means to be held back. It means to be put back. It means to be put back by fear. And a lot of times what's happening in our lives is there are some things that we are fearful of that are keeping us from subduing and overtaking and putting our foot upon the necks of things that are keeping us from the blessings of God. And today what I wanna do is I want you to see and understand how God is able to break some of those things in your life so that you can identify what those five kings are for your life, some of the five things that are keeping you from subduing and taking over the promises that have already been promised to you that you just gotta go and grab hold of and put and get in the right place in your life. And those five kings, they're representative of five things that I think that keep us from having the faith to believe that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine in our lives. And those five things, these five kings represent five things and they represent our five senses. And so today I wanna talk to you about these five faith killers that keep us from the very thing that God wants to have happen in our lives. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this. It says, the, the, the sense of what we smell, the sense of what we smell keeps us from understanding the, and, and um, taking hold of the promises that God has for us. And I know that some of you guys are like, man, what in the world does smell have to do with faith? And, and I'm gonna explain to you, I know it sounds weird and it sounds a little far-fetched, but I promise at the end of this, as I go through these senses, you're gonna be like, I see how they all relate to my life and how they're keeping me back from understanding and grabbing hold of the promises. And I wanna relate a story that was in uh, the book of Daniel. There was a, a time where, where there was a, the, the children of Israel were overtaken by a, a king, the Babylonians, and there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he was pretty much full of himself. And so he wanted everybody to worship a statue of him. I don't know about you, but that's pretty full of yourself when you, you want everybody you know to worship a statue of you. And so he, he calls everybody, to worship the statue, but there are three young men that say, you know what, we're not gonna worship because we believe in the one and only true God, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God Jehovah. And so they say, we're not gonna do it. And he, he takes them and he, he throws them into a fiery furnace. And that's where we're gonna pick up the story in, 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 in Daniel chapter three. And it says, um, and the satraps and the administrators and the governor and the king's counselor gathered together. And when they saw those men whose bodies were on fire, 
had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Basically, they were thrown in this fire and they realized that, man, nothing is happening to these men. And, and, and what, they, what the context of this is really saying is that, you know what, there's gonna be some fiery trials that are gonna happen in your life, but just because you've gone through the fire doesn't mean you have to smell like it for the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but have you ever met somebody that's gone through some trials in life and all they wanna talk about is what happened to them, how they got hurt, what's been going on in their lives. All they keep talking about is the past. They're like the most annoying people in the world because all they do is talk about all the junk that's affected them and they never move beyond it because they still smell like the trial they were in 27 years ago. Come on now, you, you know some of y'all, you, you've been rehashing the same things over and over again. Well, I still, you don't understand what they did. They broke my heart. Man, you still smell like that fire. Get over it. He was a scumbag anyways. You don't need him. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but listen, some of us have gone through some fiery trials, man, and you might have gone through some fiery trials of, of some relationship things where somebody hurts you, and you might have been in some fiery trials of, of something in your career and it just didn't work out. Maybe, maybe you've been in some fiery trials in church because, I mean, there's been some preachers that have been out there that have said some things and lived a completely different way, and they've been a hypocrite, and they've completely turned you off from God, and, and, and those things can affect your life, but, but if you're going to get victory in the area of the faith fight, you've got to get victory over what you smell. Listen, I don't want to smell like everything I've been through in life. I don't want to smell like that. And, the, you know, and there are some parts of our life that they just stink, don't they? I mean, we can think back to some parts of our life, and man, and we're like, that part just stunk. Man, it was just horrible. And we all have those things. And there's a reason why when we have stinky parts of our life, the Bible says that, that in the old days, the priests would burn incense after they'd been in there sacrificing and doing all those things because their job required them to do some smelly things. It required them to do some stinky things. And some of us, we've gone through some stinky circumstances in our life. We've been in some stinky relationships. We had some stinky health. We've had some stinky career choices. And, and what happens is, is, is it said after they sacrificed them, I mean, they were sacrificing animals and there's blood and there's guts everywhere. I mean, you probably don't smell very good. If you've been to a butcher shop, that dude doesn't smell good at the end of the day. And so they would burn incense to get the stench off them. So they didn't bring that home with them. And some of us, we need, to, we need to start burning some incense and the incense that we can burn is worship and praise to God to get rid of the stench of what's happening in our lives and let go of that stuff and say, God, I believe that you are bigger. I believe that you are greater. I believe that you are stronger that no matter what circumstances I've been in, that you're better than that. And I'm gonna offer you up some praise and I'm gonna offer you up some worship in spite of what's happening in my life, in spite of what I smell like, man, I'm gonna go after you because you are able. There's a story of a, of a grandpa and he, was, uh, he had his grandkids over and, and while his grandkids were, were messing around, he happened to fall asleep in his, his lazy boy chair, you know, and, and the grandkids, you know, they're kind of brats. And so they decide they're gonna play a prank on their uh, grandpa. You know, just, that's just not cool. I mean, if you, if you have a grandpa, don't play pranks on him. But they decided, he was one of those grandpas that had that big kind of like burly, nasty beard. You know, it's just kind of crazy looking. And so the kids went in the refrigerator and they grabbed some Limburg cheese. Now, I don't know if you know what Limburg cheese smells like, but they, they call it Limburg because it smells like body odor, um, like bad body odor, like bad BO, not Axe body spray smell. It's, it's like nasty. And so they grabbed some Limburg cheese and while he was sleeping, they started rubbing it in his mustache so that, so that when he would wake, all he would smell is this. And so, so he wakes up and he, he takes a, a big breath and he's, man, man, this, this room stinks in here. And he, he gets up and he walks to his kitchen and 
takes another big breath and he's like, man, this, this kitchen stinks in here. And then he, he decides he's gonna go outside and he opens the door and he walks outside and he takes a deep, big, huge breath. And he's like, man, the whole world stinks. You know what? And if we allow ourselves to, to take this attitude of, of, man, everything stinks, man, it's gonna poison every single aspect of our life. If we allow our sense of smell to dictate our faith, if we allow what's happened to us and we allow the past to continue to dictate our future, just because you've gone through fire doesn't mean you gotta smell like it for the rest of your life. And some of you guys, you need to start getting past your past and start walking into the future that God has for you and start saying, you know what, God, you're able to do something greater today than what happened yesterday. And yesterday is behind me, but a new day is ahead. And I'm gonna walk by faith in that day. The second area, the second king that a lot of times I, I believe that really kills our faith is the whole sense of what we touch or the sense of what we feel. Because if you don't watch it, you'll get into feelings rather than faith. And it's so easy to switch from, from faith to feeling. It's so easy to just to go into that area of life because so much of our life is based on what we feel, isn't it? And there's a, there's a story in, in Genesis uh, chapter 27, and, it's, and I'll just kind of give you the context of it. Uh, there was, there was a, a, a father named Isaac, and he had two sons named Esau and Jacob. And, uh, and Esau was the older brother, and in their day, the older brother would always get the blessing from the father. He would be kind of the next, next patriarch of the family. He would get all and the majority of the inheritance. Well, Jacob was the younger brother and he wanted his brother's inheritance. In fact, he had tricked his younger, his older brother into giving him the inheritance. And now it was just up to the father to give it to him. And so he conspired with his mom and uh, they decided, man, we're gonna trick your dad. And what was happening was Esau was up in age and so his eyesight wasn't as good as it used to be. And so he was starting to go blind, but he could still see a little bit. But but Jacob went in there and it, it says in the story that, that he, when Isaac heard Jacob speaking to him. He said, you sound like my son, Jacob, but he started to, he's like, come near, let me rub your arms. And what Jacob had done is he had put in lamb's wool on his arms to feel like his brother. His brother was an extremely hairy guy. He was kind of like George the Animal Steel. If you watch wrestling in the early eighties, I mean, he was just crazy looking hairy dude. And so, um, he feels his arms and he's like, you sound like my son Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And what happens is he ends up giving the blessing to the son. And we see right here in the story, the father said, man, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And what happened is, is if we go by what we feel rather than what we see, we end up messing up our lives because so much of our life, if we live on based on how we feel, it ends up corrupting what God says because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah that our heart is deceptive. Do you understand what that means? That means your heart will lie to you. It'll tell you, man, oh, I'm so in love with this person. And you're not in love with that person. You're just in lust with them. You don't really even like them. You just like the idea of being with them and they make you feel good in the moment. But as soon as they say something to you or do something, that relationship is gonna be gone. Or it's the reason why people go out to the new car lot and they, they, they don't feel very significant about themselves, but they're like, man, if I have this car, all of my dreams will come true. If I just get this Porsche, man, ladies will be draped all over me because of this car. And so they go and they get the, and they buy that car and they, they're feeling good about themselves until that first payment comes and then reality sets in and the feelings were dictating their actions. All of a sudden they're stuck with a, a $2,000 a month car payment that they don't even really want because no ladies like them anyways. 
Because we're living based on our feelings. And if we allow our fickle feelings to rule our lives, it will jack us up. And this is the thing. Sometimes we get our feelings hurt. Has anybody in here ever gotten their feelings hurt? Somebody hurt your feelings? Listen, if that has not happened to you, let me just hurt your feelings right now. I'm just... No, we get our feelings hurt, man. Somebody says something or somebody does something and it just messes up. And it's especially true in the church. I mean, there have been so many churches that have split apart because somebody's feelings got hurt. Somebody said something about somebody else or, or this person got the solo that week in church and I didn't get the solo, so I'm upset and my feelings are hurt. Or, or this person over here got the, the serving position that I wanted and I didn't get it, so my feelings are hurt. And we, we cry and we mess things up because we're going based on our feelings rather than what God said. And we got to understand that we can't live our faith, our, our, our life based on what we feel, but we got to live our life based on what God says. You know, the story of, of Noah's Ark is a, is a pretty incredible story if you think about it. If you don't know Noah's Ark, basically there was a flood that was coming and, and Noah, nobody had ever seen rain at that point. And so Noah built a boat and they thought he was crazy. And, uh, and on that, he gathered all these animals. And I was thinking about that story. You know what's crazy is you have the world's most deadliest predators all on one boat and yet there were no fights. I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing. Why in the world would there be no fights with the world's most deadly predators all gathered together? I think it's because they knew that that was the only boat that was gonna save their life. And I think right before Moses put, or or Noah put all the, the animals in there, I think God gave him one last command. He said, listen, I know that there's a lot of animals here, but there's one, there's one animal I wanna make sure that you do not put below the waterline and that is the woodpecker. Because it was, what happens is the woodpecker gets hurt. There's a little thing that happens over here. There's a little thing over here. They start pecking away and all of a sudden they can sink an entire ship just by a little bit of hurt feelings. And some of you guys, man, you've been hurt in life and there's some, been some hurt feelings and you've been pecking away at different things all this time. And God is saying to you today, you know what? It's time to stop living based on how you feel and start living based on what God says to you. And some of you have been hurt because you've seen what other people are getting and you, you've seen those things and, and you think, man, I've got to have that. And that isn't what God has called you to. You've been living based on how you feel rather than what God says, and God's saying to you today, you know what, it's time for you to put your feelings on the ground and put your foot on it and subdue it and take hold of that area of your life and stop living by feeling and start living by faith. Third area is the the sense of what we see. One of the five senses is seeing, and and this sense will talk us out of so much stuff. Because we're a generation that we live by based on everything that we see. In fact, there was a huge convention in, in, uh, in Washington, D.C. just this week of all the atheists in the world. They were all convening together talking about how they don't believe in God because they can't see God. Because they live based on how they see. And there's a story in the Bible of, of a young man who is with a, pro- a prophet named Elijah who is living based on what he was seeing. And what was happening is, is the prophet uh, uh, Elisha and his servant were there in this area and they were they were bound up in, in, a, in a compound and, and an Assyrian army was coming to destroy them. They were coming to destroy them and so the, the Assyrian army was coming all around them and surrounding them to, to subdue them and to kill them and to get rid of God because they didn't wanna hear about what God said. And what was happening is this young man, he was inside and he decided to go outside and he looked out and he saw the entire Assyrian army and he, and he comes back inside to Elisha and he says, you know what, we're gonna die. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's an entire 
a Syrian army out there that is ready to kill us. Man, they're ready to come and get us in. And the, the problem that he saw is that he was looking at the battle from the ground level. He was looking from one perspective. And so many times in life, we're looking at our problems from one perspective. We're, we're getting that bad report and we're seeing it from the doctor's perspective. We're getting that, that, that job change right now because we've gotten fired and we're seeing it just from that perspective. We're having some, some health difficulties and we're seeing it just from that perspective. And when he comes in and he says that to Elisha, Elisha responds to him in a way that I think we should all respond. And he, he goes and he prays to God and he says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And my prayer for all of us today would be that, God, you would open our eyes that we may see because so many times we're looking at our circumstances based on the ground level. But you know what? There's two dimensions to life. There's, there's a natural realm and then there's a spiritual realm. And we might see what's happening in the natural realm, but what we need to see is what is God is doing in the spiritual realm. Because God is doing something that we can't see with our natural eyes until we tune in to what he is saying to us. And this is what it goes on to say. And it says, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, a mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, you can't go on based on, on what you smell or what you feel or what you see. You gotta go based on what God says. And what God says he's gonna do, he's gonna come through. You know, so many times that we're living by, by sight instead of faith. And God says, man, we gotta live by faith, not by sight. We gotta live based on what he says to our lives and what God says and understand that it's gonna be hard and understand that it's gonna be difficult and it might feel like you're gonna die at times, but what God says he's gonna do, he's gonna come through and make it happen. And so the young man walks back outside and he sees the Assyrian army, but then it says he lifts up his eyes and he sees the army of the Lord and everything changes in that instant for him because he wasn't looking at the ground level anymore. He was looking to God and God started changing his perspective. And I don't know what you may be seeing in life, man, you might be seeing all the problems that you're facing right now. And God is saying, man, check out the promises that I have for you. You might be seeing the defeats of your life. And God is saying, man, check out over here. I've got some victory for you. Man, you might be seeing all the obstacles and God is saying, man, get out of the obstacles and start looking towards my provision that I have for you. What you focus on determines what you see. And my question to you today is what are you focusing on? What are you focusing your attention on? Are you looking at just the ground level or are you looking at what God says? What are you looking at? Because your focus is just as important as what you're seeing because God's word, let me just tell you this, this book right here is just as real as your bad report. It's just as real as, as that doctor saying you have no hope and God saying, man, with me, nothing is impossible. It's just as real as based on what you're focusing on today. What are you focusing on? There's a story of a, two little boys. They, they live next to a, a rooster coop and a, a, or a hen, a hen coop, and there was a rooster there. And, and these two boys, for Christmas, they got, a, they got a brand new white football. And they were outside, and they were playing with it, and, 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 and they were kicking it around. And they happened to kick it over the fence. And, and the, the rooster of, uh, of the, the hen coop was walking around, and, and he saw this white football, and he walks over to it, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And, and he calls all the hens around, and he says, listen, girls, listen, girls, I don't mean to be negative, but if this is the kind of eggs that they're producing over there, we got to get busy. 
And so many times we're looking at life and we're looking based on what God has said to other people. We're looking at what they're focusing on and we're saying, you know what, God, you gave that promise to them. I want that same promise, but God didn't give that to you. He told you to be faithful in what he gave you. And we're looking at everybody else's things and we're saying, I want that and I need this and I need that. And God is saying, but I want you to have this and I want you to have that. But because our focus is in the wrong place, we're missing out on the blessings that God wants to pour out on our life. Man, we need to get our foot on what we see and we need to subdue it. And we need to start believing what God says about us. You know, when we were, when we were moving here to start this church, my wife and I, we, were, uh, we, were, we, were, we thought, man, we're gonna move here and um, you know, it's gonna be like instantaneous, you know, mega church. Thousands of people are just gonna show up from day one you know, uh, because everybody knows who we are. I mean, we're, we're famous, popular. I mean, God knows our name, so everybody else must. And so, uh, you know, because of how good looking I am and, and not fat and balding, you know, people will show up for that. And so, uh, and so you know, we moved here with this, with this idea. And I remember seven weeks into the, this church that 63 people showed up to church that Sunday. And, and I'll never forget that Sunday. As long as I live, 63 people is the most depressing day of my life. Basically, I wanted to cut, go home and cut my wrist and commit suicide um, because I, I was looking at what I saw. And, uh, and I saw not, not the promises that I thought were gonna happen, but I was seeing what was natural. And what was natural was that there was only 63 people. And I was like, God, why, why did you send us here? Why would you bring us to this place with only 63 people? I mean, we left thousands of people to come for 63 people. I mean, th is that what you said to us? And uh, I started looking at what I was seeing naturally rather than what God has said to us. And God didn't say, you know what, you're gonna go and you're gonna start a church in Fort Lauderdale in South Florida that's gonna be insignificant. He said, no, you're gonna start something that's gonna be significant. And you're gonna reach not just 63 people. You're not just gonna reach 60, 630 people. You're not just gonna reach 6,300 people. You're not just gonna reach 63,000. You're gonna reach thousands upon thousands of people. And you can't live based on what you see. You gotta be, live based on what God says. And so I started walking in every Sunday and I didn't see empty seats. I saw full seats. And I started saying, God, I know that every single seat in here, you have a name for the person you wanted and you want multiple people sitting in those seats. And God, we're gonna make it hard as hell to let people go to hell in this community. And we're gonna make it freaking impossible for them because our God is able. And we gotta stop focusing on what we see and start believing what God says about us. And it's time for us to get beyond our sight and start living out of faith. And so, man, we've got to subdue this faith killer of our sight. And then we also got to, got to look at this sense of what we hear. And Jesus said this, he said this, he said, Jesus said this. He said, take heed what you hear. He's saying, be careful what you allow to come into your mind. Be careful what comes in this, the, between these six inches in your head because what comes in there affects so much of your life. And there's so much negativity that's out there today. There's so many bad reports. You can't turn on the news without bad news being on the news. Am I right? There is never good news. It's always bad news because bad news fuels things. So we're hearing about how the economy is tanking and how we're in a recession and how the job market is bad and how you can't sell houses. And all we here is the negative junk of life and it's negative, negative, negative. And if that's what we're listening to, you know what our predisposition is gonna be is our life sucks. But that isn't how God 
caused us to live. That isn't how God wants us to live. He doesn't want us listening to all the naysayers and all the negativity. He doesn't want us listening to the bad report. And in fact, this isn't the first time that life has been that way. In the book of 2 Kings, there's a guy named Elijah. We talked about him the first couple of weeks. Man, there were some things going on that were bad reports that were going on there. There would have been no rain for three years. I mean, it was a it was an epidemic that was happening. People were starving. It was like the worst times of all. In, a, in the midst of that, Elijah says, listen, I hear the sound of abundance. He said, I'm not listening to what everybody else is saying. I'm not listening to all the negativity. I'm not listening to all the naysayers. I'm not tuning into those radio stations. I'm not tuning into that television station. I'm tuning into the fact that God has got something better than what I can hear right now. And I hear the sound of abundance. I hear the sound of rain. I hear something that you can't see right now because you're listening to the naysayers and negative people of this world. And he's saying, man, I'm not listening just to negative things that are going on. It's not mind over matter. It's faith over unbelief. It's time for some of us to start getting faith over our unbelief. And it's, it's faith in what God says over what everyone else says. Because here's the thing. God, for some reason, believes that he is God. I know that that's, that's mind-blowing to some of you. But God has got this idea that he is God. And that anything that he wants to do, he can do. And let me just tell you, he can he can. And we have got to put our foot on the neck of what we're hearing and put our faith in it and what God says. Because this is the thing, man, we can, we, can, we can continue to listen to all that or we can start listening. We can start hearing. We can start saying, you know what? I hear the abundance of favor coming to me. I hear the abundance of blessing coming my way. I hear the abundance of, of God's promises coming into my life. I'm not gonna listen to what everybody else says. I'm not gonna tune into their stations anymore. I'm gonna tune into God. And what God is saying is that he's got something bigger. He's got something greater. And I'm not gonna accept your bad report. I'm gonna start listening to his report. And his report is always good. And it's always yes. And it's always amen. And it's already, it's already been done for me if I will just take hold of it and run with it today. And I know that some of you guys are saying, well, you don't know what I've been told. You're right. I don't have a clue what you've been told. You might've been told the worst news of all, but this is what I know is that my God is able. And if he's done it for somebody else, he'll do it for you because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still the same God that did the impossible. And if you did the impossible for somebody else, you know what that means? He can do the impossible for you. And it's time to stop listening to everybody else and start listening to God. And start putting our faith there and saying, man, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. And so we have these faith killers of, a, of what we smell and, and what we hear and what we feel and, and, and wh what's happening in our lives. And the last one is, is the sense of what we taste. Now, I know that this one's going to be difficult for you because you're like, how in the world can taste affect my faith and all? And, and I want to relate it to the story in 2 Kings. There was, there was a time where... Um, there was a prophet, he'd come into this town and they were cooking stew for him and all these other people. And somebody went in and poisoned the stew. And so some of the people started eating the stew and they just died on the spot. And the prophet came in and this is what he said. He said, then bring some flour and put it into the pot. And it said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. And uh, what, the, the, what is significant about the story is that, man, there are some harmful things that we have been eating in our lives that we've been taking in and saying, man, it's okay for me to eat this and it is destroying our lives. It is poison to us. And what the prophet said is he said, man, when poison is happening in our life, you gotta replace it with something else. And so he added flour to that meal. And what the flour represented there was, was bread or the word of God. And he's saying, you know what? There are some things that, some reports that you have in your life, some different things that you've been eating. You've been saying, this is my life. This is who I am. 
I can't change any of that. And instead of saying those things, you know, I start putting God's word into your life and believing what God says about you rather than what everybody else says about you. And, and this is, this is what the, the thing that I want you to, to, to understand is faith places no limitations on God and God places no limitations on your faith. I, w- I want you to get that. Faith places no limitations on God and God places no limitations on faith. He's saying, man, take the word and start putting it in your life instead of getting up tomorrow morning and saying, oh man, I'm never gonna make that sale or man, this job is just a dead end job or you know what, I'm never gonna find a husband. If you stop putting all that negativity in your life and you start looking at God's word and saying what he says, he says, man, man, you are a child of God. If you're a child of God, don't you think God's gonna give you somebody awesome to be your spouse? Why are you living that? way? Why are you putting that stuff in your life? You need to start finding some promises and eating those things and bringing life to you because what God is saying is my word brings life to dead places. And there are some dead places in your life. You've been poisoning yourself. You've been self-sabotaging yourself. And it's time to start putting my word in its place and seeing it bring life to those dead areas. And Jesus, when, when he was dying on the cross, It says that, that in Matthew 27, 34, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. And when he had tasted it, he would not drink. You gotta understand that, that the gall in vinegar, which was the wine in those days, was, was a bitter, very bitter, bitter taste. And Jesus, of all people who, who lived this sinless life, who lived this unbelievable life, he had every reason to accept bitterness. He had every reason to accept hurt. He had every reason to accept anger and pain because of what people had done to him. I mean, he had lived a sinless life. He had healed people. He'd taken care of people. He loved people. If anybody could be bitter and angry at the end of it and accept it and taste it and say, man, I'm going to accept that, it would be Jesus. But he rejected it. He's saying, you know what? We don't have to take in the bitterness and the poison of life. We can reject it so that we can live a life of faith. And some of you guys have allowed some hurts to overtake your life. You've allowed some bitterness to run your lives. And, you, and, and God is saying to you, man, it's time to get victory over those areas. It's time to stop continually eating that. It's time to stop living in the past where you continually pick that thing back up and just taste it once again. Man, I, oh man, I remember what they did to me. Oh, that, that hurt so bad. And every time you go back to it, you get that same notion. You get that same feeling. You get that same taste. And it's time that we say to ourselves, you know what, no more. I'm gonna put my foot on the neck of of what I taste and I'm gonna start trusting God because he is able. I'm here to tell you today, man, God is able. God is able no matter what the circumstances are in your life, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you feel or what you've done to somebody else or somebody's done to you, God is able. And God is more than enough for your situation. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. And and I'm sure you've all heard the story of David and Goliath. A a young shepherd boy grabs five stones and he, he kills a giant. 
And I've heard some great preaching on that. In fact, I, I heard this one guy come in and, and speak one time and he said, you know, why, why did David pick up five stones? And I'm like, I never really thought about why he picked up five stones. I just know that he used one to kill one. And he's, he built this biblical context and he went back and he researched it. It was because he said Goliath had four other brothers and he wanted to make sure that none of those brothers ever came back after them after he killed Goliath. And that's why he had five stones. And I was like, that's good preaching. I like that. I could take hold of that. And then another guy I, I heard, he, he preached about it. The reason he had five stones is because it represented five letters, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus, who can overcome any obstacle, any barrier, any giant that's in your life. And I was like, man, that's good stuff. I can take hold of that too, man. I, amen, yes, praise the Lord. And then one day I was in my quiet time and, and, God, and God just said, you know, why did, why did he pick up the five stones? And I'm like, I, probably because he thought he was gonna miss. I don't know. I mean, that's why I pick up more stones than I need. I, you know, that's why I take more golf balls to the, to the, the golf course because I know I'm gonna lose some along the way, you know? And he's like, exactly. Listen, it only took one stone to kill Goliath, but I gave him five because I'm the God, not just of enough, but more than enough. And I want to tell you here today, God, guys, that God is just not enough for your life. He is more than enough. And he is able, if you would just fight the fight of faith and kill these faith killers in your life, subdue them, put your foot on their necks and throw them back in the cave, dead, never to rise again. And Jesus wants to do that for you today. God wants you to understand that he is able more than anything else, no matter what circumstances you face, no matter what's going on in your life, that he is able. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit www.coastalcommunity.tv.